Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Screw the Stigma. My name is Afra and thank you so much for tuning in this week. And I hope you're all having a good day. And if not, I hope this episode makes you feel a little bit better. And also, like I always say, new episodes out every Monday. And it's also available on YouTube. So you can go check that out. All the description, all the links are in the description below. So you can go check that out. Also, I create like educational content as well as content that's related to screw the stigma itself on my instagram page as well as facebook page so you can also go check that out at screw the stigma pod and i'm so glad that you guys are coming back here every week and i would love to hear your feedback send me a message on instagram or wherever you feel comfortable letting me know then what topic would you like to see next and i would love to listen to you guys i also have a tiktok account now um so that's happening <laughs> it's also at screw the stigma podcast as well so you can go check that out having so much fun doing these episodes and they make me really happy and i hope they make you happier make you feel a little bit better and on that note, um, this week's episode is with Tiffany Mosher and we talk about how she has battled depression and broke out of her introvert shell and traveled around the world and volunteered to do good all around the world. And she's amazing. She's done amazing work. And this was a really great episode. I'm an introvert myself, so I know how difficult it is to get out there and speak to people. So I hope you enjoy this episode and I'm going to cut to that now. Hello, everybody. I have Tiffany Mosher with me today. She's an advocate for mental health, and she went through a journey with depression, and she has found her recovery through her volunteer work. Hello, Mosher. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. How's your, how's your day been? How's your 2021 been? It's been good, um, both my day and my 2021 so far. I did some work today and did some cleaning around the house. So overall, a very productive day. And it was, the weather was great. So overall, a good day. Perfect. I mean, for all the listeners listening right now, can you share a little bit about where you're from and about your journey with depression? Sure. So I am in the United States on the East Coast in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And I didn't grow up here. I originally grew up in Pennsylvania in Northeast uh, part of the country. And I didn't really battle with any depression or anxiety through my childhood. It wasn't until my mid-20s when I went through a divorce that I kind of felt like I had the rug ripped out from underneath me and all of a sudden my life just changed so drastically and I didn't handle it well at all and I just kind of started this downward spiral of depression and anxiety ever since then. And there's a common misconception that usually people but depression, it's it's difficult to like. Usually, it's just the like developed through childhood. But your childhood was perfectly fine, and it wasn't the main um, factor that causes your depression. So, how did you learn to deal with your depression and anxiety? It took a long time for me to learn how to deal with it in a good way. Mm -hmm. I in the beginning, I didn't know how to handle it. You know, the anxiety was very crippling and debilitating. And it just consumed my life, really. Um, I'm the type of person, when I get anxiety, I can't eat or sleep. And so mm -hmm. I lost a lot of weight very quickly. 
um, it was very hard to function as a human, you know, and on top of that, I had a three-year-old daughter and a six-month-old son that I had to care for. And I felt like I was just running on empty tank Mm -hmm. all the time. And, uh, you know, I just felt like I needed to feel accepted by something, by anything. And so the, the negative coping skills I developed at the time were, you know, finding comfort in the liquor bottle and uh, seeking satisfaction and acceptance from other men, you know, whoever mm-hmm. would give me attention or buy me a drink. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was very lonely process for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't until I started really kind of took a, a step back and looked at, you know, the things I was doing were destroying me. I it was not helping me be a good mom to my kids by any means. I was just not, I wasn't proud of who I was. And I learned that I needed to try to find positive coping skills mm-hmm. in order to be able to get over it properly because the negative coping skills were really hurting me and doing more harm than good. Uh, what was the event in your life or the situation that led you to the point that, okay, I need to change something about this? A suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. Um, I attempted suicide in 2014. And that was the rock bottom moment that I realized, you know what, I, I do want to live. Mm-hmm. I don't know what my purpose is here quite yet, but I know I will find it. Um, I just... You know, even though I love being a mom, I needed something for myself to feel whole. I needed something that I could call my own to feel fulfilled. And I just kind of had this faith in in hope, a little tiny bit of hope, thinking like, okay, I was meant to live. I was meant to survive this. Now I've got to find it. And that was that moment where I started trying to see things in a more positive light. I started looking for the good in things. And as that gradually grew, then I discovered, you know what? I am living my my comfort zone bubble where I feel safe is filled with a lot of paranoia, worry, fear, anxiety, always looking for the worst in every situation, always preparing for the worst thing to happen, but that's not serving me well. And it was like, maybe I need to push past that and face my fears a little bit. And maybe that's where I'll find happiness. And that's exactly what happened. That's wonderful. Did you have any positive coping skills when you were, when you were dealing with depression? And do you believe that depression and anxiety is something that you can completely get rid of or something that has its ups and downs and comes and goes in your life? When I was very deep in my depression, I did not have positive coping skills to fall back on. And that's ultimately what led me to that very, very dark mindset, that dark place. The positive coping skills I developed was looking for positive things and and engaging in things that brought me little moments of happiness, little steps at a time. So even if that was for me, I love tea. So just enjoying a cup of tea, you know, it's, it's warm in my hands. It makes me feel warm inside. I enjoy the taste of it. It makes me feel relaxed. And I would just focus on that. 
for those five minutes, I was drinking that cup of tea and I would feel happy or I would listen to m- music that made me feel good or take a, a bubble bath or something that would make me feel relaxed. And then, and just try to find and enjoy the things that were going right. You know, that my kids got a, a good grade in school. I would celebrate these things and it took practice. It wasn't an overnight switch. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think the, the problem is that, you know, sometimes people think that with depression and anxiety, you know, they say, oh, you know, just, just stop stressing about something, just stop worrying. And it's, it, that's not how it works. It, it takes, you have to kind of retrain your mindset, retrain your mind to think in a positive way and in not in a negative way. And so to answer your second question, I think depression and anxiety, it's always something that once you have it, it's underlying. It's, mm-hmm. Because I noticed there are times that I'm doing very, very well, and I'm not am I able to keep my anxiety at bay, but if something happens like a trigger that takes me back to those you know th- that event that happened years ago that led me down that rabbit hole of depression, I'll find my anxi- anxiety starting to you know simmer below the surface. And I have to remind myself, okay, now if I look at this in a negative way and I feed that anxiety, I'm going to easily go back down that dark road. I have to, like, I know what to look for now because I don't want to go back to that place where I felt I shouldn't be living on this earth anymore. So it's like, I, I know what to do, but yeah, it's, it, it's, it's dormant, I would say for now. Mm-hmm. But I'm not naive to think that if I don't keep up with my mental health and keep myself going strong, engage in self-care, that it can't creep back up. And I, I know that's a possibility. So I have to be mindful of what I do. That's wonderful because um, I, I believe in that too. I don't think it completely goes away, but rather it's really on focusing on yourself and helping yourself. That's what I want to more, know more of. How do you take care of yourself? What are your some of the self care self care routines that you take, or any any ways that you like to keep your mental health in check? I love to learn. So, you know, there's times where I'll you know reading a book is my way of self care, just kind of escaping reality for a minute and learning something new, or looking up a. a website about something I want to learn about or someplace I want to travel to always trying to keep dreaming and making goals for travel and things like that. Um, you know, I found so much comfort and solace in being able to volunteer, but, um, I can't really travel to volunteer right now because of the pandemic. So I do some volunteer work local in my community here and that uh, helps me, you know, stay strong. I, I love giving back to my communities. And then I, I just like to take time to myself mm-hmm. when, you know, self-care is very important. Uh, just recently, I took a solo camping trip to Harper's Ferry, West Virginia. And it was so nice just to have two days with myself in a campfire by the river <laughs> in the mountains. It was beautiful. And it just, I was able to think and relax. Um, you know, bubble baths, I'll go get a, a massage, you know, just different things that I know that 
for, for me, for self-care, it's kind of taking some time to myself so I can just have time to think and close out the rest of the world for a minute. But I'm an introvert, so that works for me. <laughs> I, I like my alone time. Yes, I, I completely get that. And I think it's really important to take time for ourselves to reflect on um, ourselves and to know, like, you know, what to change and, you know, what we need. I feel like alone time is something that everyone deserves. So that's wonderful. And that's why I wanted to know more about your volunteering work. You said you travel and you volunteer. That's really great. How, what led you to that thought of, I want to volunteer, I want to travel? So I studied anthropology for my bachelor's degree and learning about different cultures is something that is so fascinating for me. And then on top of that, you know, I had had a discussion with a coworker at work and, and she was saying that, you know, disaster response and anthropology, there's, there could be a really good integration there. And that really got me thinking like, Hmm, that's, that could be interesting. I don't know what that is, but let me think about that. And then one day, it was months after Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico, and I was taking a walk after, you know, during my lunch break at work, and there was a huge tree branch that had fallen across the path. And I thought to myself, I wonder if they still need volunteers in Puerto Rico after the hurricane. Because I had, you know, I have family that lived there, and I had donated financially to hurricane relief, but I didn't, I just always felt that there was something more I could do. And so I kind of rushed back to my desk and, and Google searched for volunteer opportunities. And there was a program called All Hands and Hearts that had a uh, volunteer presence in Puerto Rico. And I thought, what, what, what wonderful way would it be to, for me to kind of push myself out of my comfort zone and travel by myself to go help and at the same time, learn about the culture that my, you know, my family has come from. You know, my grandmother was born there, my family there. Learn about the culture of Puerto Rico at the same time. Like, I think this could be a really good thing for me. And so I just filled out the application. And while I was doing it, I was trying to talk myself out of it. I didn't think I could possibly do the work. It was very intimidating, but I'm so glad that I did. And I found that. Um, learning about the different cultures and, and learning about how two people recover and deal with and their resilience after a natural disaster. That's where I found that integration between anthropology and disaster responses. Just find, finding the resilience is so fascinating how people just, you know, they, they take these things that happen to them and they still have you know, hope, and they still have faith that things are going to get better. And I learned so much through that process of helping them, and in turn, helped me. That's, that's wonderful. That's amazing. And how was it like traveling by yourself alone? What was going on in your head? What are the initial fears that you had? So for me, like I said, I'm an introvert, and I would always rely on everyone else to do the talking, you know, when we would go mm. somewhere. Um, you know, at a party, I'm the one that's the fly on the wall eating the food in the corner and just observing <laughs> everybody else and having fun. So traveling by myself now, I have to be the one to interact. I have mm. to be the one to figure out how I'm getting from point A to point B on my own. 
And I was terrified. My first time, I was very nervous. I was um, leading up to it. I was like, I don't know what to pack. I don't know if I can handle this. I don't know what to do. And then, but once I got to the airport, I had this really weird sense of calmness that I, I was like, I don't know why I'm feeling so calm. I should be feeling a lot more nervous about this. But I feel like that was my body's way of saying, look, this is going to be good for you. Just relax. Mm-hmm. You're, this is going to be a good trip for you. And so I found that as I took different baby steps, you know, I got on the plane. Okay, I'm good. I'm on the plane. And then I arrived. Okay, good. I'm arrived. I arrived. I took every little thing as ridiculous as it sounds. Like it had to have like a, like a checkpoint in my head. Like, I guess got to get my baggage next and then I'll be fine. So I got my baggage. Okay, I'm good. Now I got to get a taxi and then I'll be good. And that's how I had to train myself to not be so anxious in traveling by myself. I never mm-hmm. felt unsafe or in danger. So that was also very helpful too. Where at the places where I went, I always had encountered wonderful people who were willing to help me. And that helped me feel more at ease. I mean, I, for even for me, because I, me being an introvert, I know that it can be really exhausting to be, um, out there all the time and talking to people all the time it can be really draining how did you deal with that how did you how did getting out of your comfort zone what did you learn from that and how's the whole experience like being an introvert you know it was I had to take a lot of time away to be by myself at times which was really the really wonderful part about traveling by myself was like, okay, well, I can interact when I wanted to, and then I can retreat when I wanted to, and I wasn't accountable to anybody, which was really, really kind of nice. Um, but it was kind of, it was nice to take a step back and just, you know, watch everybody else talk and converse, and I could integrate myself when I wanted to, and then I had the freedom to retreat, and that was really, really great. But I found that when I pushed myself out of my comfort zone, and I faced those fears and they turned out to be good that I felt like, wow, like I'm, I'm proud of myself for doing this. This feels good. I was scared of this before and now I'm not. And I would feel empowered. And when I would do this disaster response work and they would teach me these skills, because you got you to gotta think, I went into doing this, this construction work barely knowing how to use a power drill or a, mm-hmm. like a hammer back here. You know, so you know, when they tell me you're going to fix a concrete roof today, I was like, oh, I, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. Like, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just Tiffany. I'm just like this, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know how to do that. And they said, don't worry, we're going to show you how to do it. And when I did it and we completed the roof and we were able to tell the homeowner, your roof is, is not going to leak anymore. You're, you're safe now. You're, you're going to be fine. It's when it rains, you don't have to worry anymore. I felt so confident, like the, my level of confidence increased and my self-esteem increased because I learned new skills mm-hmm. and I learned new things about myself that I'm capable of doing so much more than I thought because my fears held me down. Mm-hmm. And I just realized, wow, that's what, that's what has been waiting for me outside of my comfort zone this whole time, all this wonderful things. The hard part about it is you don't know until you try it. So you have to have that faith in the unknown. And that can be very, very scary. But I promise you, once you try something new and you succeed at it, it feels so good. And you just want to keep doing more and more and more. 
<laughs> you you mentioned that you were traveling alone, and that is definitely a scary thought for any woman because there is a safety issue that's always there. And friend, what did your friends and family respond to when you said that you were traveling to a country to volunteer? I mean, volunteering is a wonderful thing, but was they, were they scared for that aspect of safety? When I went to Puerto Rico, not so much, mm-hmm. uh, just because I have family in Puerto Rico, so it wasn't you know I had a very uh, supportive uh, backing from my family and friends when it came to going to Puerto Rico. When I went to Nepal in mm-hmm. the beginning of 2020, that's when they became a little more nervous because I had never traveled that far across the world by myself before mm-hmm. at all. I had never even gone across the Atlantic Ocean, period. Mm-hmm. So they were very, and, and nobody in that I knew had ever been to Nepal or seen that part of the world. And so they just were very nervous and anxious for me to go that far by myself. Uh, you know, the, the pandemic was starting to unravel itself in China and Nepal is, is fairly close to China on the map. And so it was a lot of, you know, there's a lot of political unrest in the Middle East which I wasn't near, but it was just the fact that I was traveling by myself. Everybody was like, Oh no, no, this it's not safe. You shouldn't, you know, I don't know, rethink this. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to think about all that. I'm just going to go for the purpose I'm going for. And, you know, it was kind of nice to prove them all wrong. <laughs> like, look, I'm here. I'm safe. I did it. And that was, you know, and that trip, to Nepal, that was really, really terrifying. I didn't know how I was going to handle any sort of culture shock or, you know, what the language barrier was going to be. I, I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And when I got there and the people, they're just so wonderful and so welcoming and so inviting. And they spoke English in Kathmandu. And I was like, oh, this isn't as scary as I thought. This is so neat. I felt so happy to be there in someplace so cool and unique and just exploring. And, and um, yeah, it was really nice to be able to check in with everybody and say, I'm safe. I made it. I'm having fun. Don't worry. I'll be fine. <laughs> it's all good. It definitely sounds like a really great experience because, you know, that initial fear of getting out there and when people are saying, hey, you need to look out for all of these things. And it just makes us feel more nervous because it, there's so much to, to break out of. And when you are fearing yourself, that must have been a lot, a lot of emotions to go through. So I'm glad that you yeah. went through that. And you mentioned culture shock. Did you, did you ever face culture shock whenever you traveled to a country that was very different from yours? And what was the, any elements that was completely different that you noticed? Surprisingly, I didn't mm-hmm. encounter any major culture shock. And I think that's because with me studying anthropology the and studying different cultures you know reading about them exploring you know what it's like and visualizing that in my mind I knew kind of in my mind what to expect I knew I was going to more primitive locations I wasn't going to be going to a fancy all-inclusive resort where I was going to be pampered 24 7 like I knew what I was going into And I really had to just keep an open mind. And I think that's, you know, I had had no expectations. And all I wanted to do was just kind of immerse myself in the environment and going with that mindset 
I think really enabled me to enjoy it a lot more and not be so surprised by, by it all. I think the hardest thing was adjusting to the jet lag, you know, the mm. new time zone difference. That was the hardest part for me. I think, but other than that, it was such a really cool, unique experience, especially going to Nepal because that I, I was not prepared for just how busy the roads were going to be and the traffic and, and the, the sights and the smells of the city. It was like, it was so much all at once. Cause I'm a country girl that grew up in the, in the mountains and in cornfields, you know? So it was, it was a lot, but at the same time, I was like, this is so neat. This is so cool. I'm just looking everywhere like, wow. So it was, um, it was really, really great. No, that's really nice because I've always I've always wondered what's like to travel to countries and especially doing volunteer work. That's really amazing. And how how were the interactions like with the people? How did the people invite you? How what did you learn from them? And were there any differences in like the languages and how? And you spoke you said that they spoke English, which is really nice. But were there any other different things that you noticed while you're traveling there? But in Nepal, there in Kathmandu, a lot of people spoke English. But where we were volunteering, there was a lot of people did not speak English. Um, mm -hmm. So we had to rely on translators. But they were learning English. So what was really wonderful about these interactions was the the students in in Nepal. I was helping build schools that were destroyed by the earthquake in 2015. So this, they had temporary schools set up close by and the students would watch us, you know, over the fence or, you know, stand there and watch us do the work and they would smile and they would wave at us and laugh and giggle and point and, and wait, call us over to give us high fives and practice their English. Yeah. And it was so cute. They would ask us all these questions, you know, what is your name? How old are you? Where are you from? You're so beautiful or you're so handsome. They would tell the boys. And it was so, it was so, it was just so nice because they were just so excited that we were there. And then their parents, even more so, they were just you know, very welcoming, waving to us, you know, try to practice their English and, you know, and, and we would try to learn Nepalese and Hindi from them. And we would just kind of interact all together little community because they knew we were there to help them and they were so grateful and so honored that we took the time to come and help build a school for them and for their children to use and that the interactions were so I, I, it's hard to describe I'm trying to just put it into words but it was very heartwarming mm -hmm. to sense their gratitude and to know that we were so welcomed there and I experienced that everywhere, even in Puerto Rico. Um, but there wasn't as much of a language barrier because in Puerto Rico, there was a lot of people that spoke English too. So we were able to interact more. But it was the same thing, the gratitude and the you know, appreciation for the work we were doing. It was, it was overwhelmingly beautiful sight to see. Uh, that's, really, that's really nice because I really do enjoy the know like to learn more about different cultures and I think that everybody should do that because it really broadens the way that you think and you look at things when you realize that there are different people doing different things and there's always good things to pick up on and 
I feel like the more we get caged up into our little environment, that's the only mindset and viewpoint we're going to have. But the mo- more we travel and the more we learn, it, it's, it's really like, I feel like a liberating experience to know that there's so much of different cultures and different ideologies and all those amazing things that's outside and people are doing so many different things. And how has volunteering positively impacted you? And um, it's 2020, I mean, since 2020, you might have not been able to travel. And so when are you looking to travel next? And Yes, so how, how the volunteering positively impacted me is that not only does it feel good to serve these communities and interact and learn different cultures and all these things, that's all wonderful and great. But the major lesson that I learned and what I get every time I do it, I'm reminded of, is that for so long in my life, I took everything around me for granted. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have all of these things. I have a beautiful house. I, I have my children. I have, you know, air conditioning and hot water and I have food on the table. I have all, I have things I don't, I have technology. I have, a t- I have all these things, you know, all these things. And yet for so long, I was like, I'm so unhappy and I don't know why. And, and then, you know, I, I traveled to these places where, you know, these people, their lives got literally ripped out from underneath them without warning. You know, you can't predict an earthquake. You can't, you know, a hurricane can come, but sometimes you don't have time to prepare, have anywhere to go. And, you know, some individuals, they've lost all of their belongings They've lost their homes. They've even lost family members and friends. And yet, despite all of that, and despite having very little, they're still happy. They're still thriving. They are, you know, I would interact with them and they would be, have a smile on their face. And I learned quickly that it's not about the material things. That's not what makes fulfill causes fulfillment at least for me for some of mm-hmm. for some that may be the case and, and i'm not trying to to knock that but what i learned was that it's not the material things that matter it's it's how you're able to help other people the company that you have just being grateful for the things that you have mm-hmm. and appreciating the small things in life and that's the the big lesson I get. And every time I go, I'm, I'm reminded of that and even more each, and it's a beautiful feeling to have. Um, and yeah, I can't travel much right now, but I do do a lot of volunteer work locally in my community here and, you know, do what I can to help. We've uh, with aid now with the organization that I volunteer with regularly here, we have fed almost 30,000 meals to families impacted by the pandemic. So that's been uh, something that's been really great. And we work with homeless children in the Virginia Beach school system. So we help them as well. And when I'm able to travel again, I will go back down to Mexico, uh, where I'm helping manage a school restoration project in an indigenous Mayan village. So I'm excited to go back down there and and get uh, the work done that we started on a middle school restoration down there. That's really, that's awesome. That's really a wonderful work. And 
you've been doing a lot of great work and even though even through the pandemic you're still helping people out and that's really great and um, I'm just curious about this there's so many things that people say there are like a lot of stigmas about these um, countries that do need help they say they try to make fun of them usually like if you see like on the internet it's usually Africa they make fun of all those cultures there and how people act there did you find any of those stigmas and when you went there it was completely different I personally didn't see any of that where I went um, mm -hmm. thankfully because it would have made me upset if I did mm -hmm. um, you know that I, I wish that people took the severity of situations more seriously and that you know there are a lot of times there are situations that are beyond our control you know we can't control the climate we can't control um you know there's times where individuals need to to migrate because of climate change or you know they need to flee because of political unrest um, you know, or there's, they're just areas that are so far away from civilization that they just can't get the help that they need. And it's, it's sad that there are, there's not enough organizations or funding to help, you know, and it's, or that it's uh, something that isn't taken as seriously as it should be, because everyone, you know, deserves clean water. Everyone deserves to feel safe. Everyone deserves to have a meal. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, there are times when I travel that I, and I can only go for little bits of it at a time because, you know, I, I have a mom and I am, I have a job and I can't go for long periods of time. And so the, the hard part is, is that I feel like I'm not doing enough at times. Mm -hmm. I, I go and I give 100% when I'm there, but then I look and see the project's incomplete and I have to leave and, and leave it in the hands of more volunteers. And it's, uh, I wish I could just snap my fingers and make the world a better place. But since I can't do that, I just do what I can little bits at a time. And, I personally uh, think yeah. that it's, it really counts even if you do the smallest things because there's so many people out there who's doing nothing and you you are putting yourself and you out of your comfort zone and you're traveling and you're going the main purpose of helping people and that takes a lot and you're finding fulfillment through that but you're also helping so many people and I think that impact that it makes even the smallest change that you put it will make a great impact so you know it really doesn't matter if you're able to finish everything or not it's just about really putting in the effort for that and that's really wonderful and you're doing other great works and um, i had really an amazing time talking to you and before we end this you're working on a lot of things and if people would like to reach you out more can you just say just share a little bit about your works and your social media so you mostly use yes so i am on instagram at author tiffany mosier and i'm also on facebook tiffany mosier author um my book is called beauty beyond the threshold and it's available in ebook and paperback versions on amazon and um, one thing to keep in mind is one dollar from every paperback i sell i donate to charities that 
helped build me up to be a, a better person. So I want to give back to those charities. And um, I also have a website, www.tiffanymosier.com. Great. So everybody, please go check out Tiffany out because there's so much. She's doing wonderful things and it's just something that we can learn and we don't really think twice about people who need help. It's always our problems and our focus. So it's really great knowing that there's so many amazing people out there helping other people and you can do that too now. So definitely do get Tiffany's book as well as check out her social medias. And I had a wonderful time talking to you, Tiffany. And for all the listeners, I will see you all next week.